0: Hey, this is voice actor Cassandra Lee Morris. Welcome to Now You See Me. I've voiced hundreds of characters for anime, video games, and animation, and I realized people know a lot about the characters I play, but very little about the real me. So I started this podcast to pull back the curtain on my life, share more about myself, and what I've gone through. Along the way, I'll be interviewing guests, some well-known and others behind the scenes to dig into their lives and find out what they've overcome to achieve their artistic goals. I hope this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to live your best creative life. Together we'll all learn that there's more to someone than the stories they tell. guys. I am here in the virtual studio with my friend and very talented voice actress, author, host, speaker, Reba Burr. Hey, Reba. Hi, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for coming on. I'm super excited to chat. Mm. (laughs) So why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Tell me about your favorite roles, some cool stuff that you've done.
1: Yeah, so I am a... A uh, voice and on camera actor here in LA. I do a lot of work in dubbing, so people have heard me in anime such as Gun Gale Online, Ascendance of a Bookworm, Demon Slayer, Dorohedoro. Uh, video games like Fire Emblem Engage or Nancy Drew: Midnight in Salem. Uh, and I've I've also done uh, some. Hosting in my life, I used to host something called Disney Three Six Five on the Disney Channel back when I was a uh, in my twenties, and um, yeah. It, and in addition to that, uh, I I am super passionate about mental health, and so I I spend my free time making content about uh, managing mental health. That's awesome! I didn't know you were in a Nancy Drew game. I love Nancy Drew. Have you? I guess I didn't know. I guess PC Nancy Drew games have been around since like the '90s, and oh. they've, while they've advanced, they're they're always they're still generally the same. Uh, and I actually played the game. And if mm-hmm. you know me, I don't know how to play video games, but I got same. that one over the pandemic and and played it. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. No, I'm the worst gamer. I always like people always like, do you play the games that you're in? And I'm like, no, I watch people play them on YouTube. And that's how I participate. Yeah, I I have actually made it
1: a resolution, though. I'm going to try to uh, procure some sort of console. It doesn't have to be the latest one, but I just want to figure out how to play video games, because honestly, it's important for our career to understand the mechanics intimately. And I have to admit, I don't.
0: Did you ever play games growing up? Like, I had an original Nintendo. We weren't allowed. So oh. anything that could go on the PC,
1: like Oregon Trail. Yeah. I had this one called, like, Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. I would just oh, yes. play those
0: yes, forever. Yes, I used to play
1: that. You did?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was bad at it, but I would play Amazon it. Amazon <laughs> Trail.
1: Yeah. yeah, so it was all computer-based. We never had a console
0: Nice Oregon Trail is that that was like a core memory <laughs> in like the corner of my classroom. <laughs> yeah, it's. I guess people don't play Oregon Trail in school anymore. Like we Does played it, it every exist week. Anymore? I don't even know if it exists anymore.
1: I mean, some retro thing knows how to play it, but it would yeah. be really boring for kids now. We Probably. were like
0: wrapped. We thought it was. We would always die of diphtheria. I also
1: played Amazon Trail, and I, as a result, know the names of,
0: like, every plant in the Amazon, so that worked. Oh, that's funny. I've never heard of Amazon Trail. But I did have an original Nintendo, and me and my brother used to play original Mario and Duck Hunt, and we would shoot a rifle at our TV. (laughs) I would play those at my grandma's house, but I didn't have enough time to get good, so...
1: Yeah. That was pretty much first level, and I would die every time.
0: Yeah, well... It's a rite of passage, I feel like. You should get a Wii. (laughs) Um, Mario Kart is, like, super easy and fun to learn. I mean, I don't know how much it'll translate to voice acting, because there is none in Mario Kart, but it is a fun game. (laughs) No, no, I want to play something where you, like, have cutscenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But not scary. Persona. Your, have your
1: listeners. <laughs> great. Persona. Have your listeners send me examples. Because when I think of okay. like I can't play a zombie game. I can't. It's too spooky. I can't watch horror movies. So you need to send me a game with with cut scenes, but no
0: spooky. OK, I would say Persona or Trails. But that's just me talking about stuff that I've been in. Guys, if you're listening, <laughs> tell Reba what she should play. This is your... You have one job. This is it. Um. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, what examples you're going to get. <laughs> All right. Um. Hit Reba up on her Instagram or Twitter. Are you still Twittering? Or did you download threads? I am. I mean, I got on threads,
1: but threads ain't going to happen until everybody's on threads. So... Yeah.
0: I feel like I'm also kind of posting the same things on Twitter and right. Threads right now. Well, because I want Threads to replace
1: my Twitter. I don't. Yeah, ha- I don't have a use for both of them. Right. Twitter is the place where I do where I interact the most with fans. Yeah. So that's gonna be if Threads can do that for me,
0: great. We can leave Twitter, but yeah.
1: Otherwise, we're probably still gonna have to do that on Twitter.
0: Ah, social media, so fun. Okay, speaking of social media, you your Instagram account. So you have an account for your acting, and then you have another account called "Get Thee to a Therapist," which mm-hmm. I love the content that you put out there. I think it's so creative and informative, and I love all the scenes that you do with yourself. Yeah, um, thank by the you. way, you're a really good on camera actor. Like you can Thanks. just tell from like these skits that you do. I'm like Reba has got that shit down. <laughs> oh my god, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's not easy to do because I imagine you're like you're setting up the camera and you're filming yourself, right? Like you're not reading with anybody. No. In fact, I
1: just pull down my green screen and I've written out all the lines for character A and then all the lines for character B. And I just play character A and say all the lines one after the other really fast. One ah. take each. Oh, so One you know, take?
0: Oh my yeah. gosh.
1: yeah, because we're just we're just getting it out there. It's I'm finding that content creation on social media is not about second guessing yourself or striving Mm. for perfection. It is Mm -hmm. about the opposite, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Making something without putting too much thought into it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a good exercise in creativity.
0: Heck yeah. So what ultimately led you to create Get Thee To A Therapist? was Did you want a creative outlet or did you want to get a message out? So when I was, uh, I started
1: writing the book about eight years ago. I was no going way. through a really tough time uh, mm-hmm. with my pan- panic disorder and I had sort of had to drop out of life completely, which I've had to do twice in my life where, like, my panic attacks were so bad that I could not function. So I had to quit everything in my life and just stay home and go to therapy and heal. Um, So this was the second time that happened. And I started blogging as something to do. Uh, I started blogging about my experience. And not a lot of people talk openly, publicly about going through mental health issues. Because understandably, there's a lot of stigma around having mental health issues. But I'm such an open book kind of person. And it felt really good to let it out like that. So once I started doing that, people started coming to me one-on-one and being like, "Reba, I actually deal with this stuff too. And I was wondering what I should do. They didn't understand how to go about healing it, which is something that I've been actively doing Um, since I was about 20 years old, uh, going to therapy, using medication, changing my lifestyle, changing the way I think. And I was I felt so strongly like I can't believe how many people of all ages don't know how to work the mental health care system and ask for the things that they need to get well. So that's when I realized that there was maybe something I could teach people. So I started writing the book. And towards the end of the book writing process, because I was I didn't know anything about publishing, somebody told me, you know, if you want to get published, you're probably gonna need to have a following. And so I started the Instagram page to kind of at the last minute, like, shoot, 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 I need to build up a following because I'd like a publisher to publish the book. Oh, wow. And that didn't end up successfully working out. I still wasn't able to Garner enough of a following in that amount of time to get a publishing deal, so I self published the book. but in the meantime, I discovered that I actually really liked making videos and ah. they were really effective, and I'm very good at it. so it was an accident. I didn't think I wanted to be a social media person because I thought it was gonna look different. I thought I was gonna have to make a lot of static posts um and uh that it, it wouldn't feel very authentic. And then I stumbled upon this format where I do these little two-person scenes, and it feels like it combines the two parts of me, the part of me that's an actor and the part of me that cares about mental health.
0: Oh, my God. So that's awesome. where I'm at today. So I love what you said about how as, when you built it, people came to you mm. and said that they could relate to you because it's true. Like, people are not super forthcoming about mental health issues. And I think a lot of that is... I know, like, for me as an actor, I always want to seem, like, I'm super conscious of how, like, clients view me and, like, people view me. And, you know, one of the things, like, when I was starting to really take my acting career seriously, it's about, like, building a brand and, like, being seen in a certain way. So I never wanted to seem, I would say, like, super vulnerable or, like, there was something quote-unquote like yeah. wrong with me even though like I like I've talked about it on this podcast like I went through a really bad depression um, but I never like spoke about that with anybody so um, yeah, uh, yeah and and
1: as somebody
0: with an anxiety disorder like
1: uh, because there is so little talking about it that's been done up until pretty recently, people talk about it a lot more, but everybody thinks that my anxiety is related to my acting work. And that couldn't Mm -hmm. be further from the truth. Like I am not nervous about acting at all. I, you could put me on a stage in front of 5,000 people right now without a script and I would walk right up there. And, uh, my particular anxieties happen to be related to body stuff that I've had trauma around. I've fainted mm-hmm. a ton of times when I was younger and now I'm super scared to faint. So if you block p- me in a box without water and it's really steamy like a sauna, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have a panic attack in there. That's what I'm uh, afraid of. But it's never yeah. going to affect my work in 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 acting. So mm-hmm. uh but people don't know that and you can't explain that. So I can see why um It sometimes feels just easier not to talk about it. And that's everybody's Mm -hmm. prerogative. But I just decided it was something I wanted to, you know, be the change I wanted to see in the world about. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So what kind or how have you been able to balance like having a panic disorder with having a creative career? Because I would imagine that sometimes, you know, it could get in the way or like affect it in a certain way or maybe not. I don't know.
1: No, I mean, of course it affects it. It's a huge part of my life. Not any, not so much these days. I mm-hmm. am so in such a great place these days, thanks to the 15 years of therapy that I have done. But mm-hmm. um, I had to drop out of college when I first got it. So oh, wow. uh, I, I managed to get back the second semester. So it didn't really affect my education, but I was, you know... Starring in the play when it happened, and I had to give up my Aww. lead role in the play. Oh no! Uh, which was so painful for me at the time. I thought the universe was over, that I couldn't oh, yeah. be Joan of Arc and Saint Joan, which Aww. is a very boring play. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so boring. <laughs> um, and, uh, but after I got back, everything was back to normal again. And then when I was about 25, 26, I was doing a musical. Uh, I was doing Kiss Me, Kate. And I was playing mm-hmm. Lois. And she's kind of the boop boopie doo doo uh, ingenue of the show. Aww. And uh, somebody started stalking me. What? Uh, through, the, through that uh, experience. And it was really scary for me. Yeah. And I didn't know how to deal with it or make it stop. And eventually I started panicking again. And I got kind of stuck in that panic place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that situation resolved fully, but I still couldn't get better because it was uh it was like so f- I panic disorder is all about panicking about having another panic attack. And when you've had oh, panic yeah. attacks every day for a month, you stop believing you'll ever have a panic-free day ever again. Mm-hmm. So I had to quit my job. I was playing Princess Jasmine in Aladdin at Disneyland which is a big uh, musical production they yeah, ha- they had back then in awesome. their theater in California adventure and I loved it I loved that job yeah. but I couldn't I couldn't get on stage I was I was getting in my costume and c- their call places and I would just start crying I was like I can't I can't go out mm. there I I was just a shell of a person so uh. I had to quit that job and uh take a year off almost uh to Heal, And Mm -hmm. that did affect the way those people saw me at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. They saw me at my lowest. And, you know, they're still great people and friends. But I don't think especially people in management would ever have been able to see me as somebody who wasn't broken ever Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I I know because I auditioned for things and they never cast me again. So (laughs) Uh. I've got to assume that that has something to do with it. Yeah. But that was all OK, because even though those things happened, what I did when I was no longer working at Disneyland was I started working in voiceover. Oh. And I'm not sure I would have tried it and put my whole heart into it in quite the same way if I was still doing theater at that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And let me tell you, as I do miss musical theater for the, the sort of feeling you get on stage. Mm-hmm. But boy, does it not pay. Right. And now <laughs> I have a real career. i make a I make an actual living, and I get to, you know, do really cool stuff. yeah, it's a cool career, so it is it led
0: me to this. My panic led me to this. I really think so. That's awesome. I, that kind of um relates to something that I had pulled off your get thee to a therapist Instagram account. You had oh. posted some things that you learned. Um, from therapy and one was you're not in control of how and when things happen in your life you have to let some of that go and be flexible so is that that kind of related to that yeah i'm super hard it's a great lesson (sighs) but also like very hard as a creative person especially an actor i hate that one
1: the most of all i think (laughs) that you're not in charge of how and when things happen Oh yeah uh, it's, yes. it's terrible. It, in acting <laughs> all you can do in acting is get ready for the opportunities. Uh-huh. You can't make them happen. So yeah. you can train and have have your life set up in a way where if the roles come to you, you can accept them, which it means you need to have some spare time and mm-hmm. energetic time. Uh, And you can, you know, make friends with the right people, but you can't make the opportunities come. Right. And uh, I think another, you also can't uh, get too attached to identities that are outside of yourself. And what I mean by that is, if being a musical theater actor is your identity, mm. as it was mine, if something happens and you lose musical theater, mm. you're gonna feel like you died. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that that could happen. That I could lose a musical theater, but I kind of did. Um, not that I couldn't go back today. I choose not to go back today because um, of the scheduling issues that would come up with my paying work. Mm-hmm. But. It's why I now know I always need to keep my identity inside myself as opposed to putting it into a career. You know, I know so many actors who their identity is I'm I'm a movie actor and I'm going to be in movies someday, but they're not in movies yet and they're always unhappy. Ah, you know? Yeah. And there's no reason that they should give up on their dream of being in movies, but because they've committed their entire it's that thing of if I don't put my whole thing into it, then it's not going to happen. And I don't believe in that. I believe in keeping mm-hmm. pieces of yourself safe from the
0: heartache of this industry. Totally. I mean, this is this industry can be brutal, especially like this is so timely. I mean, we're on strike um, as of today as, yep. as of today. And there's like tons of of on camera actors that are not going to work for a while and yeah, they're not even going to audition. They're not even going to yeah. have the chance to think about working. Yeah.
1: So they've so, got to have something yeah, else going
0: on. Totally. And I've always felt that way. Um, that's one of the reasons why I take horseback riding so seriously. It's like yes. a huge part of my life, but it has nothing to do with how I make a living. I, I just spend a lot of money doing it. I don't make any money doing it. <laughs> but i love you need it to be
1: passionate about your hobbies yeah. and have oh them have things that yeah. fill you that aren't controlled by somebody else because your ability to act is 90 percent controlled by other people you have mm-hmm. to get picked mm-hmm. for the job you can yeah. make your own projects but that's expensive mm-hmm. um or not if you're making you know s- stuff with your phone but <laughs> you're not getting paid for that <laughs>
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah, that's. But you I'm, can control s- how much you horseback ride. Totally, it's you're like you're in I charge see, of that experience. Yeah,
0: yeah. I see a lot of of actors coming up or who are like new to the industry who are like, "I'm a voice actor. I just want to be a voice actor. This is the only thing I want to do." And, and I just want to tell them not to think like that. <laughs> that's, I yeah, know that's
1: not realistic. It makes I and I get being so enthusiastic about the industry, and you know I, I hear a lot of people that uh, are interested in mm-hmm. VO or video games. Mm-hmm. Well, I but I my social life is I love going to conventions, I love the people I meet there, and my relaxation time is I love playing games. I love that's all. Re- I, I want to be in this world all the time, yeah. and I I do get that, but. You're actually a more interesting actor and a more effective actor the broader your range of experience is.
0: A hundred percent. You know,
1: when they're casting something and you can say, oh, yeah, well, I actually I do shoot guns. I've been, you know, practicing shooting since I was a kid mm-hmm. or I do martial arts and um, I I'm not like a stunt fighter, but I could definitely, you know, throw a punch. They're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. There could be some game someday where it's
0: like we need people who really know how to put a saddle on a horse. Right. Because it's only happened one time in my whole life. But yes. Yeah. (laughs) But it could happen again. Yeah. But also just like the experiences that I have outside of acting, they ground me and they kind of like refuel me for the audition uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Ha- the hamster wheel of auditioning. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, there's always, 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 always auditions. And I also can... feel like people who have other shit going on in their lives
1: are mm-hmm. a lot less stressed when they're auditioning because they know that it's not like, if I don't get this, I will, I don't know what I'll do, I'll die.
0: Oh, yeah. So I used to be like that, like in my early 20s. Mm. Um, I would be like, I need this job so I can pay my rent or something mm-hmm. like that. Or I just need this job because I haven't booked a job and I just need it. And right. I'm sure that desperation came across in the audition. Yeah. And did I book it? No, obviously no, not. No, desperation is not a great seasoning <laughs> to have on your audition. <laughs> not at all. Someone, so I took um, this class once in in L.A., And the teacher told me, she's like, I had a student once that only booked things when they were in love, like newly in love, because they would have this like sparkle in their eyes. Ah. And they would just like bring this like new romance energy to like everything that they were doing. Um, And I never forgot that because, I mean, I don't think you need to be like newly in love to book an audition. But that was, like, the energy that they were bringing was, like, this fresh, everything is new, and everything is, looks great, and I'm having a great, you know, like, when They're you... are seeing the world through different eyes? Yes, through rose-colored glasses, even. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that kind of energy draws people in, and I think it can draw people into a performance. So... Yeah, for uh when I used to do on camera stuff, I used to do like a lot of commercials. I would try to bring that kind of like sparkly like wonderment energy to my auditions and it did help. I got a lot of I
1: callbacks and bookings that way. Take this, take this advice. It's easy to be yeah. pretty tired and jaded when uh-huh. you audition because
0: you know that the odds are it's going to turn into nothing. Oh yeah, but I'll You're not gonna get it. And sometimes the projects aren't even made. Like you could audition for stuff, and then they're like, "Oh, we're not even making this." So it's like, <laughs> cool. Oh, glad yeah. I, glad I put all my energy into this. <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah, heard? Of the I, I had a. Te- oh, go
1: ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I had a French teacher in high school who um wouldn't grade like half the homework, and uh, <laughs> I I yelled at him because <laughs> I was so what? mad. Like. I how dare you make me do homework that you don't grade? And he called my parents and told them like me. I, if you know me at all, I'm like the most straight A, little miss goody two yes. shoes type of person. I, <laughs> I never never did drugs or drank in high school or anything like that. But I chewed this guy out. For I oh called him gosh. a terrible teacher and like a waste of space.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Because you didn't grade your homework. That is hilarious, Riva.
1: I also thought he played too many movies in class. He played a lot of movies.
0: That's just phoning it in as a teacher. He was, he was a bad French teacher. Did you watch uh, the Parapluies of Cherbourg? (laughs) No. (laughs) I remember watching the right ones. You remember watching that in French class. Probably because he actually would put the
1: French dub on of like an English movie.
0: No. Yeah. That is really phoning it in. No, we watched. I don't. Maybe I should look look up what this movie is. I've never forgotten it. Le parapluie de Cherbourg It's like the umbrellas so, of Cherbourg. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna I ask don't know you why what's we a parapluie. It. Oh, it's an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching that in French class and uh, Madame Bovary, the French version. <laughs> See, I got no education whatsoever.
1: Yeah, you didn't even know what parapluie meant.
0: Yeah, we watched
1: um, Young Frankenstein in French, I think. Why? Why? Because <laughs> he didn't plan a lesson.
0: Wow. No, that's that's a lot. Anyway, I was going to say, do you know the acting teacher Leslie Kahn? Have you heard of her? Yes. Okay, so um, right before I moved to L.A., somebody gave me her CD. This is how long ago I moved to L.A. Gave mm-hmm. me a CD, and it was, like, of one of her lectures, and I would listen to it over and over and over because it was about auditioning and, and just training and like knowing your craft and being ready. And I have this like on a loop in my head and I've had it for years now. Is like as an actor, uh, your job is to suit up and show up and suit up and show up and suit up and show up. And then when you're in the room, allow whatever is happening to just move through you. And then you leave and you don't take mm-hmm. it with you. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, that that's what being an actor is. Yeah. So. yeah. Anyway,
1: it's, <laughs> it's something that, like, you're like, yep, I get it. I get it. And you can maybe, like, embody that for a day mm-hmm. before you forget. <laughs> and then you need to be reminded again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just supposed to show up and let it move through me.
0: Yeah, Okay. well, I mean, you know, it's constant, like, I feel like we're always working on ourselves, especially people who are committed to working on themselves. I guess I just repeated myself, but people who are committed to, like, doing the work and don't want to get mm-hmm. stuck in the same patterns. Um, yeah, we do need that reminder every day. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, in one of your videos, you talk about masking And I feel like I I love that video because I was like, oh, I totally relate to that. Um, But as an actor, I feel like I relate to it even more because sometimes I feel like I walk into a session or even an audition room and I'm just playing a version of myself before I'm playing the character that I'm auditioning for.
1: I think it's vital that you do that. I think we have to do that. I, yeah. I don't think that we can go into a space where you are being judged, uh, which is both auditions and the job itself, as your full authentic self. I think that was too vulnerable. Ah. You have to be. I'm. There's. There's a part I play, and it's Reba the actor, Reba the professional. I think right. everybody plays that part, no matter where like you I, work.
0: I like especially put it on sometimes. You know, I'll, like, plan out—I probably shouldn't even say this, but whatever. I'll, like, plan out something interesting to say, like, in the in the room. Like, to, like, the producer so, well, like, and the you, director. You know that you have something in common with
1: them, and you're like, hey, I noticed like, you
0: and i I'll just be like, what can I talk about right now that will make me sound interesting and not, like— I'm exhausted and I just want to go home and I had, like, a really long week. be like, oh, I could talk about this or this. And then I, like, go in and I, like, you know, have all this, like, sparkly energy. And I'm like, hey, guys, blah, blah, blah. This is so cool. Oh, my God, I did this. What are you up to? It's like a whole thing that I put on. (laughs) I would like to be better at that, honestly. (laughs)
1: Because, you know, I I have this thing. Where people ask me, Reba, how are you doing? And if I'm doing bad, I tell them.
0: Oh, my God. I can't do that. I don't think I'm supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) But that's probably more like you're more being more authentic and real. Whereas I'm like, okay, how can I make myself sound really interesting right now?
1: (laughs) I am so, uh, like if i If I'm just completely raw with everybody I meet, and this is another like the part of me that's just like loves therapy, and mm-hmm. I just want to get into therapy with everybody as soon as I see them yeah uh, if i if I'm raw with everybody, then we'll have a deep connection, but that's not always true. I do mm-hmm. find people that way who are like, yeah, let's vibe, let's talk mm-hmm. about our feelings, but just as much, especially at work, I find people who are like oh you're 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 feeling bad you." are you okay? Should we cancel the session or something? Or they're just made uncomfortable by that level of vulnerability. And then I have to roll it back. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I just thought that by being vulnerable with you, we would become friends, I guess. But you don't need that from me. You just need me to be
0: a pro. Mm. See, I always respect people who can... Just come right out and like be super vulnerable where like for me, it takes me like a long time to like warm up to people and like open up like that. but I that's guess like true. I'm trying I'm trying to be more open like that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I never like talked about like hard things I went through in my life or you know mental health things or whatever um so yeah, I'm trying I'm kind of like trying out this like different. A different side of myself. We're like, yeah, yeah, I would share that with my friends and, like, people that I've known for a long time. But it wouldn't always be – even with, like, acquaintances, I wouldn't really, like, get that deep. But I – No, you know, I, I think it yeah. took a long time for us to connect because,
1: yeah. like, the things that made us friends were very personal things. hmm Yeah. So, but it was like we kind of had to really feel each other out. <laughs>
0: Before we knew if we could talk about that stuff. Yeah, I think, I think, was that mostly like a vibe I was putting out or was it? uh, Yeah, that's how I am. (laughs) Yeah. That's just who I am. I was like,
1: hey, Cassandra, do you have, if you have hard things, I also have hard things. (laughs) You want to talk about how things are hard sometimes?
0: And you were like, okay. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I guess it's because um I've had a lot of experiences where I have like in the past been like super open with people that I've met at work, but then they were like the wrong people Uh-oh. to to open up to and it just ended up being like really bad and then I had to work with them. So Oof. I feel like with like a work situation I because of those experiences I have like a bit of a wall up, you know? It, it was yeah. it's more of a wall because it's a work thing cuz I'm like, "Oh, well, in the past like I've opened up to this person and we like hung out a lot and it was great and then like something crazy happened. I'm not going to like get into it now. <laughs> I don't think I should like air people's dirty laundry. Here. <laughs> but it was just awkward then like being yes. at work, you know? That that would definitely teach you
1: a lesson. that I haven't, I haven't had a problem there yet.
0: Luckily. That's good. I feel like you're also probably like a better judge of character than like my past self has been. <laughs> well, we're like, so much older
1: now. Right? I, we all get wiser.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've learned uh, learned to look for some red flags. Mm. You know. Entertainment industry attracts all types of personalities. And for some reason I was gravitating towards the the not great ones, I guess. Ooh. Yeah. But uh anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so another one of your videos that I really liked, I have like a list. Um, the vacation video where you talk about having a panic attack on vacation. And oh, you talk about I've like made a being, couple.
1: Okay, I've this have, comp-
0: I've panicked on so many vacations. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's such a bummer to hear. But I get well, it. I get it. It's because, really high pressure. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's talk about that because you talk about being a perfectionist. Um. Yeah. Let's get into that. Why do you feel so much pressure, like on a vacation? I get it. Sometimes vacations are so expensive, and you're dropping like thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and you feel like yes, you have to have and- a great time it's the only time we're going to be in this place in the world in our entire
1: lives and uh your you've taken this week off work that was really hard to take off and you probably even had to work twice as hard the week before mm. because you're taking the following week off so you get r- really overtaxed and um also for me it's knowing that i'm far away from my safe things mm. like the hospital or um in some cases, medicine, air conditioning. Uh,
0: th- these are <laughs> the You're things that You're in a third world country, out. I see. <laughs> well,
1: what, one of them was Africa. So
0: oh, that was oh, that's really
1: awesome. bad. Oh. Yeah, that was our honeymoon. What? Our like $15,000 honeymoon. Oh. Uh, so the pressure was so high. And yeah. the. There were a lot of things that fed into me panicking on that trip, and I panicked mm-hmm. most of that trip. In fact, I asked if we could go home halfway through, and oh. we almost
0: did. Um, I've actually done that. Really? But go on. Not in Africa, <laughs> we al- but we almost I've like, gone on It was our honeymoon. And- yeah.
1: We th- almost got divorced on our honeymoon. It was bad. Oh, no. Because well, malaria medication also doesn't do great things to your brain, and no. I didn't know that either. Oh. But
0: Wait, you got it was malaria? the night before- and you had to take no, it. You, or are you, you talking take talking about like, the vaccine. You take a pill every day to prevent oh, I mean. the malaria. Oh, yeah.
1: okay. Okay. And it makes you a little crazy. Oh, yeah. um, but the day before we were supposed to leave, John looks at his passport and he's like, oh, wait, my passport expires within the next six months. And I was like, oh. what? But some countries won't let you in if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, and we couldn't figure out until we landed in Africa, which is like an eighteen-hour flight. Yeah, whether or not we were going to get to go to Africa, and that just set me, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. Oh, um, because it was so expensive. <laughs> I'd never yeah. spent that much money on anything before.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I panicked in Hawaii, which was because, like, right before we left for Hawaii, I worked like way too hard to get ready to leave for Hawaii and also it was just I don't know stressful we were living in separate cities for John's work and mm. and it was hot there the <laughs> hot. I mean all these things I was in weird places yeah. and then you add in the the pressure of
0: vacation so I guess that's
1: that's what happened
0: yeah yeah so does being a perfectionist like that, does it affect your acting or your like creative career at all? I don't know. I I actually
1: find I'm not as much of a perfectionist uh when I make choices about an audition or a mm. a take or something. I That's just... good.
0: That is a good thing.
1: <laughs> I've met people who say like, God oh, I spend like an hour on every audition. Voiceover audition. I'll certainly spend an hour plus on on camera auditions. They require a lot more preparation because mm-hmm. you have to memorize your lines. Yep. Um, but voiceover, we don't have to memorize, we just read. So mm-hmm. you can do them fairly quickly if you are happy with your choices quickly. And I, I'm not somebody who second guesses that very much, maybe to my detriment. I don't know. So yeah, well, it doesn't it really
0: play in. That's cool, and I would say maybe it's not detrimental because you are a working voice actor and you have, like, a lot of cool credits. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I always tell people, like, I teach voiceover, and I'm always, like, you have to limit yourself to, like, three takes max. Max. Mm. Don't do anything past three because it will sound stale and you'll be second-guessing yourself and overthinking Mm -hmm. it. And I always like to, I mean, even myself, Like, the freshest takes are the first takes, and those sound the best. Like, at one point in my career, I was recording an audition, like, ten times, and I was driving myself crazy, and it wasn't sounding good. But Mm -hmm. when I let go of that and, like, did what what you're saying you do, where you, like, you know, you make choices and stick with them and go with it and just send it off into the ether.
1: I will say, I love that third take where (laughs) you, so you've done the first one. Which is, like, just the thing that comes most naturally. Mm-hmm. And a second where you're working on that. And then that third one where you tell yourself, okay, let's make a, a really out there choice. Yeah. And something that, they'll, that they're not really asking for and lean into that. And when you listen back to that one, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the freshest, best sounding take for sure.
0: Nice. Because you're yeah. not
1: trying to follow the, the instructions. Mm-hmm. Anymore, a hundred percent. You
0: know, as we were talking about, so as you were talking about your expensive vacation, I was thinking like, last year I decided to do a lot of horse shows, and I'd never mm-hmm. done a lot of horse showing at all in my life. How and much does something? A, oh, maybe I can't ask. Oh, how much does <laughs> a horse show cost? <laughs> what? Yeah. So it depends where you show. Um, you know, you could go for a week out in the desert and it's like five thousand dollars or you could go (gasps) to santa yeah or you could go to santa barbara and it's maybe like two thousand dollars or you could do a local show and it's like 700 so i mean
1: it's a lot
0: yeah it's it's a lot so and that's one of the reasons i'd never done a lot of horse showing prize money if you win that would Um, offset the cost so if you compete at the high levels, yes. But if you're at my level, no. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. I have this no. friend well, acquaintance now. We haven't seen each other in so long, but she's married to a real jockey. Like a oh. real one. He he's oh. like in the derbies. Oh, I think I've told so you about cool. this.
0: Yes, but, but tell me more. I love horse stories. I just I just think it's so fascinating how
1: much money they win if the horse wins the race. Yeah. Like I know. Hundred thousand dollars or something.
0: Yeah. So and that's that could happen different. a couple
1: times in the day. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that's different because he's a professional and it's horse racing. So, yeah. like, there are um, at like the top, top levels of my sport, like the people who show jump and they're jumping like four foot or five foot or they're doing like hunter derbies. Um, then you can win thousands of dollars. But, um, You know, if you're just doing it for fun, like me, you're just, Mm -hmm. you're not winning anything but a ribbon, hopefully. (laughs) So I was just doing all this for fun, but I put so much pressure on myself. Like, I remember the first show that I did, I, like, I'm sure my trainer probably thought I was nuts. She probably still thinks I am. I don't care. Um, I was so nervous for one of the classes. I got up to the gate and I didn't even go into the ring. (laughs) And it was really, yes, I was just so nervous about the whole thing. But it was also the added pressure of like, okay, I'm here. I've never done this before. I may never do it again. This could be the only summer in my life that I get to do this. It's so expensive. I have like the perfect outfit. I have like a nice horse. Uh, We trailered up here and it has to be a great experience. And I feel like I let that kind of ruin like a lot of the shows. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, you know, now I'm like, okay, so I did my my summer of horse showing. I kind of get it. But now there's that added thing of, oh, you know, maybe I was putting way too much pressure on the experience and I wasn't able to enjoy it. Like, so the next time I do it, I think I might go in with a little like, well, I'm just here to, to have a good time. And this really doesn't matter in like the long run. Like I'm not competing for money or Or anything but a ribbon, so. (laughs) You
1: have to be able to forget the money as soon as you spend it, which is hard because we work hard for our money.
0: Yeah, we do.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. the hours we spend, you and I both do audiobooks, which is like a really great way to make some reliable money, but you have to really grind for it, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You just feel every hour in that booth and to know, like, (laughs) that whole book's worth of money is just gone,
0: (laughs) yeah but also all the unpaid work that we do, like auditioning is unpaid, taking classes yeah. and studying is,
1: is you know we the pay opposite to of do unpaid,
0: that. yeah, so we you know we put a lot into this, yeah, we do, yeah, okay. um, and then another quote that you posted on your Instagram that I really liked was, before something great happens, everything falls apart, and you said that there are examples of this in your own life.
1: Oh, well, yeah, that story I told you about having such a bad panic months that I had to quit my whole life. Everything I built and my professional reputation, I had to leave it all behind
0: Mm.
1: in kind of a fiery blaze. Because (laughs) when I walked away from the Aladdin show, it wasn't like a, I think I'm going to leave now. It was like, I gotta, I gotta leave. It was embarrassing. Um i my life wasn't over and it rebuilt into something better. I am That's so cool. happy and so content and have so many things that I'm very grateful for now that you know all of that stuff had to break apart. um, I think the same can be true with relationships mm. um, and not just breaking up with somebody but I think in my marriage, I've been with my husband for 14 years, only six of those married, but we've been together a really long time. And the only times that we've ever been forced to really work hard on something in our relationship to make it better was when it got really bad, Mm -hmm. you know, communication or uh, certain resentments would build up. And when they came to a head and exploded, that's when we finally were able to see There's a problem here. Let's work on it. Let's talk about it, go to couples therapy, whatever we needed to do. And now,
0: and then, as a result, it becomes great. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like all the hard stuff in life, or all the most rewarding stuff in life, comes from, like, working really hard at it. Like, nothing is ever just handed to you. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean... (laughs) sometimes things are handed to you I guess but
0: really uh,
1: what well well some people's careers
0: and lives are handed to them but are they okay I could see like if you're born into like a really wealthy family sure you could be like well you were just born into that but is because they didn't work for that do their accomplishments feel rewarding I don't know I think
1: that they probably don't feel quite as rewarded as somebody who worked really hard for it.
0: Yeah, but that's yeah. Uh, that's kind of my point. But I get it. Sometimes you just look at people and you're just like, "Ugh, you didn't work for that money." Yes, <laughs> you were just
1: born. You got the, you got that job because your dad um, owns the place, or yeah, things like that. Definitely, yeah. I as as I. Get older and wiser and um, live in a bigger city now than I did when I was growing up. I realize how much the upper echelons of this world are run entirely by nepotism mm-hmm. <laughs> but that sounds like a completely different podcast subject, not my normal fare.
0: <laughs> we could get into that in another episode, yeah, right, yeah. I was in an acting camp, not a camp. I did like a showcase with this girl who had just graduated USC. This was a while ago. And one of the girls she graduated with was like Troy and Bellisario, And she was on Pretty Little Liars. She was one of the okay. four main girls. And she was telling me, she's like, she just graduated and she already got like a huge role. And I'm like, already? And I looked her up and I'm like, well, her dad is like executive producer of the show. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm like you don't can't compare feel... yourself to that. Yeah, I'm like, don't feel bad. She has a a runway in. Yeah. So yeah, I know it's hard to look at stuff like that. But what is Troyan doing now? Actually I don't know. Like, have you ever heard of her? Nope. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, you know, nepotism will get you so far. Sometimes it will only get you so far. And then if you can't sustain that yourself um, on your like talent or your drive, et cetera, then it's just not gonna go anywhere. Else. Yes. or this Troyan person decided they didn't want to pursue
1: acting after all, which is also totally possible. But
0: yeah, it is possible. I'm not trying to say like she's not talented or anything. because I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't like I don't keep up with every actor in LA. No, but I do no, remember I, that. I I'm never like watched that show. Oh, I narrated all those audiobooks, so I was like very aware Ooh. of when the show came out. Yeah, it was a lot fun. of fun. The books are really cute. Yeah, I really like oh, doing that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but you also said you grew up in a small town. I also kind of grew up in a small town. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> kind I of, mean, I yeah. I don't think of Connecticut as
1: being a big town place, I guess, but I don't know yeah. very much about Connecticut because it's so far from Seattle.
0: Oh, yeah. I feel like nobody really knows about Connecticut because <laughs> it's so small, especially in LA. Like, there's not a lot of us that made it out here because it is so far Mm. away and it's a small state but um yeah i have like two friends that we always text about our weird town there's actually an account that's just memes of our town like run by somebody that grew up in our town and it's so funny (laughs) it's just like I don't know memes about like the Dunkin Donuts in our town, or like the stop and shop, which is a grocery store
1: <laughs> or like the my mall. town <laughs> has changed a lot. It's not even recognizable from when I was there, really. Uh, how is it because it was kind of it was kind of just starting emerging from the forest in oh. Washington when I was growing up, like my, my dad he just bought land and built Whoa. a house on the land. There was not already a house there, um. And since I have left, so many industries have moved into Seattle, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and Boeing were already there. That's where everybody's parents worked when I was a kid. Mm. But um, so many more tech jobs exist in that Uh, area now that there's just a bigger population. So the town I was in had a lot of room for growth, and now it's grown a lot. But when I was growing up there, it was... You know, the uh, Carhartt and yes. people who maybe had some, a couple livestock at home. Nice. And so that uh, like kind of rural vibe. There was kind of a rural vibe, but then also a suburban. Like, not everybody was like that, but okay. nobody was above. The other thing was a lot of them. Um, they don't have these as much on the East Coast because the East Coast is just older, but every neighborhood is a, what do you call those? Like a prepared neighborhood that, Oh, is it like a... A development. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nobody lives in, like, individual houses that are... I mean, not nobody, but everybody... I live in Shady Acres, and I live in Blooming Hills, and I live in whatever. Lots of yeah, cookie cutters. Those
0: seem, those seem weird to a Connecticut person, I would say. There's not a lot it's of... It's a like- West Coast thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, I didn't know you grew and up in like, the really edge of boring. forest. I, feel I, like, I literally lived in the forest, yeah. That's awesome. See, I thought everybody from my town was boring and that Connecticut was totally boring. And I would go, um, I would take the train into New York City and I'd be like, I'm living my life. This yes. is where I want to be. I'm a big yes. city person. <laughs> but now I can appreciate more of what Connecticut is. You know, it's like beautiful and... Safer and tranquil, and yeah, yeah, it's quiet. Do you ever think that you might move out of the city? Yeah, I'm at I'm at yeah. the point now where because I lived in New York City for a long time, and now I've lived in L.A. for a long time, and I'm kind of over like city life. And I also feel like like New York City would be awesome at this point in my life if I could buy a townhouse. But I'm not at that place. Mm. You know, I can't, I don't have that much room. Or I feel like L.A. would be more awesome if, you know, I lived in the hills. But, Mm. you know, we're competing for real estate with, uh, like, producers and, like, millionaire movie stars. So (laughs) the cost of property here is so expensive that sometimes I'm like, yeah, I live in L.A., but... Uh, I kind of want more space, you know, and I want to be like a little bit closer to nature. I would say, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm not near there. it at this point. But if I was gonna move,
1: I would want to leave entertainment hustling behind with it. Uh, yeah, like like I'm not gonna move until I'm ready to really change things up.
0: Yeah. Do you know? Like, would you? You wouldn't even want to do like remote voiceover work, like audiobooks. I could or, narrate. Like- I could narrate, but yeah, I wouldn't want to audition anymore. Ah.
1: Do you I know what I want to focus on something totally different? Like do you know what that is? Well, I do really want to get a master's degree in psychology, no ah, matter what. Cool. Um even if I don't go into practice, I just want to study it and fill that part of me. I would even love to get a doctorate. Like wouldn't that be so cool mm-hmm. for me to be Dr. Reba? Mhm. Um but, uh, yeah, it, it could also just be a part of life where you didn't have to work anymore, like you were retired or, uh, or yes. you were just narrating audiobooks and yeah. mostly doing just life other than that. I'd love to have chickens. Same.
0: I feel like you could have chickens now,
1: though. I, I, I feel like I almost could, but I do feel like there would be complaints. <laughs>
0: There's a rooster in my neighborhood, and it like yeah, it wanders around in the middle of the street, and I'm like that's hilarious. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If I if I saw anybody else with chickens around here, I would think about it, but I don't think I've seen any chickens.
0: Mm. Somebody has them. I don't know where this rooster lives because I've seen it in two different driveways and the middle of the street, but and I hear it every morning. So Mm. is Is there around? Um, it's annoying when I'm like walking like my stroller and my baby's asleep, and there's uh, yeah. all of a sudden a rooster crowing, and I'm like, "Do do not wake him up." <laughs> 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 then it's annoying.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: but you know. <laughs> Anyway, is there anything else you would like to uh, mention, promote, talk about? Anything that we anything, well, you know, since we talked about like the Instagram
1: page, the yes. book does exist. Get thee to a therapist, the book. It is available on Amazon and Audible. I narrated the audio book. Heck yeah! And the book is very. Specifically directed towards people who are brand new to having an anxiety disorder or panic disorder, and they're maybe at a place in their life where they haven't really figured out how you work the mental health care system yet, which I kind of geared it towards young adults, emerging adults, people who are college age. Hey, maybe you've never been in charge of managing your health insurance plan before, and you've never really been making your own doctor's appointments until now, Um Maybe you're kind of new at uh, running your own schedule and mm-hmm. deciding what you eat and how much you sleep and how what you do for exercise. Uh, all of those things have sort of been in the hands of adults up until now. Then this book would be really helpful for you. And it also has, you know, lots of my own experience in it. And my coping tools and and how I've been able to manage, and heal from a lot my panic disorder over the last 15 years.
0: That's awesome. I feel like even though I'm a full-blown adult, I could benefit from a lot of that. (laughs) Probably. yeah. you know, sadly, I feel like a lot of people don't even think about, am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating the right things? Am I exercising? Am I making time to do that? And that all really does affect your mental health. So... Yeah,
1: we have this thing in Western medicine where we think of the brain as a different part of the body than every other part of the body. It's all a system. True. If you are not well in uh, certain parts of your body, it's going to affect your brain and vice versa. hundred percent. So we have to kind of override that. The fact that the regular doctor in America doesn't talk to you about the stuff that the brain doctor talks to you about, yeah, you have to go to so many different specialists to get a whole picture of yourself
0: ridiculous <sighs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Reba. Everybody pick up her book seriously. I am now going to read it or listen to it. it sounds super helpful. And, yeah, I hope you had fun talking with us. Uh, I can talk to you forever, but you know that, so yes, Hi. of course, I had fun. <laughs> All right, guys. I will see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Now You See Me. If you found value in this episode, please consider donating to the podcast to show your support. This podcast is fully self-funded from the studio rental to recording, to the editing, to the graphic design, to the distribution platform. All of that costs money and every little bit helps. So, there is a link down below in the show notes where you can send a donation in any amount at all. And like I said, anything really helps. Also, please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review with your feedback. It really, really helps out me and the pod, especially as we are just getting started. Thank you so much for being here and for your support. Video and audio editing by Chris. Music by Steve Chevy. For collaborations or ad requests, email booking.cassandraleemorris at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.